You've tuned into Growth Point Church, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that the messages provide an atmosphere for growth and grace in your relationship with Christ and an opportunity for you to gather together in community, whether online or in person. Now let's go into the message. And it says this. It says, when the centurion and those who were with him kept or were keeping watch over Jesus, when they saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe. And they said, truly, this was the son of God. One more time. Centurion and those who were with him keeping watch over Jesus saw the earthquake and what took place. They were filled with awe and said, truly, this was the son of God. Then Luke, the 23rd chapter and verse 47 says this, same story, different account, different translation. The army officer saw what had happened. Look at someone say what had happened was. (laughs) The army officer saw what had happened. And this was what was interesting to me, uh, Pastor Caesar. And he praised God, an army officer. He praised God saying, Certainly, he was a good man. I want to talk today from the topic, um, and I want you to help me preach it and look at someone, say these words, say, you can't keep a good man down. Bless your word in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Tell somebody else, you can't keep a good man down. First of all, before I preach, I want to um, publicly rebuke Brandon Colbert because he posted on, um, text me, and then I posted on social media that he wanted me to wear these god-awful robes um, and told me, text me and said, I should have screenshot the text. He said, which robe do you want to wear? I'll wear the other one. I said, neither. <laughs> somebody posted in my comment. They said, get somebody else to do it. <laughs> When I think of good, the question comes to me, well, what is good? And to think of what is good, um, according to definitions, is defined by something to be desired or something that is approved of, that which is morally right or righteous. And all of us, in some regards, say, I want to be good, or some people say, I want a good person. And according to Socrates, Socrates defines good as the theory of value. There are two sorts of good, virtue and happiness. Both are unconditional goods. And then good, as it relates to the Hebrew, signifies that which gratifies the senses and derives from moral satisfaction. It is the moral idea in which the Bible oftentimes requires us or asks us to do the will of God as it is revealed in law. And I want to say this, that there's good in all of us. Um, that's good in you. And I, will you do me a favor? Just I know it's some first time y'all been here in a while, so y'all hadn't talked to anybody because of COVID, whatever. But just look at someone. I think they're safe. Tell them you're good. You're good. Like there's, there's, there's goodness in you. And I say that because a lot of times we are always looking for the bad in people, but there's good in everybody. 
It doesn't mean that you rise to that level of good, but there's good in all of us. Sometimes you just have to look past temporary seasons that people are in right now because sometimes people make bad decisions even though are a good person. And I want to say this as well for those of you who are going through a bad moment. Just because you're going through a bad moment doesn't mean you're a bad person. Sometimes bad things happen to good people. And there are a love, there's a level of goodness in all of us. And it's interesting because when we look back at Genesis and we look back at the beginning of time and we find out that um, when God created all things, everything that God created, he kept saying, now that's good. Uh, when he even created man, he created man out of the dirt. And he said to that man, after he breathed breath into him, he said, and that's good. Uh, some, some of y'all are looking for dirt. God looked for dirt and made a man. Do you know that your dirt is not your cancellation? Your dirt might be your beginning. God looked at the dirt of man and he made and formed a man and he breathed into him and then he stepped back and he said, that's good. And then put man to sleep and pulled a woman out of, of him. And not only did God say that was good, but the man looked at the woman and said, now that's good. You are somebody's good thing. <laughs> I want every woman to look at somebody and say, I'm somebody's good thing. I, I'm, I am somebody's good thing. I, I know you might not want me, but I'm somebody's good thing. I, I, you might not think I'm a lot, but I am a lot to somebody. I am somebody's good thing. I wish I had some women that would make some noise in the room right now and say, I am somebody's good thing. That's why I can't give my goodness to everybody because I am somebody's good thing. Goodness... This is what's interesting, is that goodness was placed into man from the beginning, but man didn't know how to appreciate goodness, and man started to tamper with it, and it was a tree that messed up man in the first place. The Bible says that he told him of the tree of good and evil you shall not partake of. Every other tree you can partake of, but that tree, don't mess with that tree. And every time you tell somebody not, what not to do, we want to do it. The goodness in us is sometimes overshadowed by the weakness in us. My weakness draws me outside of my goodness. So Adam and Eve were drawn into their desires and their desires got them kicked out based on a tree, a decision. They got kicked out of paradise. Paradise meaning the place that they had communion with God, the place that they were able to walk all around and have open communication with God. But so after that, uh, after that, it grew a series, a series of slip ups. One slip up got me kicked out. But you can't keep me down because of my slip-ups. I want you to do me a favor and tell somebody, don't count me out because of my slip-ups. Don't, don't count me out. Don't count me out. Don't count me out because I messed up. Don't count me out because of what I did wrong. Don't count me out because of what you know about me. Don't count me out because of a slip-up. I'm only here because I slipped up. And my slip-up was only a bad taste of judgment. Um, it's a bad taste of judgment. That's all it was. Don't, don't, don't have a narrative about me and you don't know what got me where I am. You don't know. You have no clue. And, and if you had the same test, if you had the same test or you had the tame desire, the same temptation, you don't know what you would do in that situation. You don't know. Sometimes desperation puts you in places you never would have thought you would have been at. That's why it's very careful. You have to be very careful of judging people's posts and you don't know the whole story. You don't know the whole thing. We only zoomed into the good part. You don't see what's going on behind the scenes 
things and my my slip up sometimes calls me to be out of favor not with you but sometimes with God so here it was they slipped up and they got kicked out of the garden and and now it grew a whole series of, of things where man looked like they were down and looked like it wasn't going to work out and and here it was from Adam from Adam to to Abraham and to all the different ones it says now they had all these failed attempts to clean up what I slipped up uh, my slip-ups got me out and now all the time they kept making all these failed attempts to clean it up I don't know if there's any of you all who have ever had a slip up and you try to clean it up before anybody found out about it. I don't know if there's anybody here who's ever had some things that you try to catch it before anybody saw it. Or, or you send, I love the new thing on text message now on apples. I don't know about all of you Android unbedingt saints, but those of us who are saved by the cloud, all of us Apple people, the rest of y'all, God's going to work on you eventually. But anyhow, uh, but those of us who are saved by the cloud, hey, Evita, my God, I'm going to preach today on Easter. Here it is that here, what I love about the Apple update is when you send a text message you can unsend it I don't know about Androids I just know about Apple I don't know nothing about what y'all got y'all green I know I know God is coming back in the cloud that's all I know but there's a part in it that you can unsend it have you ever had a season you wish you could unsend have you ever done anything you wish you could undo and wish before you sent it and before you did it, you wish you could push a button and just say unsend that, undo that. But a lot of times it, it doesn't work like that. And here it was that Adam could not undo, Eve could not undo what they did. And now man for years and generations kept trying to do, undo what they did and to clean it up. For years they kept trying to clean it up. Abraham tried to clean it up with sacrifice. Brought a sacrifice because sacrifice was required because he said, uh, if blood got you in the mess, blood's going to have to take you out of it. Abraham tried to make sacrifice and to, and to fix the cleanup. And then Noah came and he tried to do whatever he had to do to make some people safe while God cast judgment on the land. And he failed and he tried because he was a man. And, and later on, we, we find out Moses even tried. And, and Moses erected a temple in the wilderness to make sure that they could start worshiping God. And, and we find out even Ezekiel tried and he tried to do whatever he could. And the kings tried to be able to do what they could do. And every Every one of them failed and, and even we find that David came and David tried to come and, and bring worship back into the place and, and tried to worship before God and, and even the people kept turning away and, and before I even get to David we find out excuse me we find out before we even get to David that after Moses died he raised up another leader by the name of Joseph, uh, Joshua and Joshua was leading the people into the promised land but the Bible says that after Joshua died it says that then the people started to do what was right in their own eyes because they had no leader. Leadership left them with no direction. So then there was a raising up of judges that would judge what was good and what was wrong, what was good and what was bad. Everybody was trying and every time they did something bad, they would repent and they would say, Lord, if you lift this thing, I'll do good again. I don't know if any of you all, I remember many times in college, I won't tell you about my adult life, but I remember many times in college, I would get in situations and circumstances and I would say, Lord, if you get me out of this, I ain't never going to do this again. Is there anybody ever, can anybody just raise a hand right now, just be Easter honest and just say, I, I wish, I, if you get me out of this, I ain't never going to do it. But, but ain't it something, ain't it something? 
then when he gives you another chance, we find ourselves back in the same place over and over and over and over again. The only reason I'm preaching to you all today is because God has never judged me by my failed attempts. He's never judged me based on what I kept doing over and over again. I, I love the song that we used to sing. We would say, I shall forever lift my eyes to Calvary. He looked beyond my faults and saw my needs. Here it is, the judges kept trying to, Samson even rose up and became a judge and got thrown off by Delilah. Got thrown off, had bad judgment, gave his strength to somebody who didn't know what to do with it. All these people, we find out that Solomon came and restored worship and Nehemiah came and built a wall and Ezra came and read the law and, and restored the temple. You see all these places of everybody tearing it down and building it and restoring it. All these failed attempts and then all the way to Malachi, we find then years and years of silence where God said nothing. Nothing because man kept failing kept trying and man kept failing and kept doing something wrong but they kept trying why don't you look at someone real quick and say just keep trying just keep trying just just keep trying they did everything they could and now all of a sudden we we go because you can't keep a good man down not just based on my slip-ups and not based on my failed attempts but over through 42 generations later we find that there was one that God had a perfect setup for I want you to know that God is never out of options. God is never out of options. Just because you slipped up, just because you failed, doesn't mean God is through with you. Doesn't mean God is finished. Doesn't mean that God doesn't have a plan for you. God always has a plan. And I, have, I come to tell you something that you might not have ever heard before. Sometimes failure was a part of the plan. Sometimes the slip up was a part of the plan. Because had you not have fallen, you wouldn't have known he could pick you up. Had you not cried a tear, you wouldn't know that he could dry them. Had you not have lost that or lost this, you wouldn't know that he would stick closer to you than any brother. So finally, we find out, finally, that God had the perfect setup. Someone said God had the perfect setup. Galatians, the fourth chapter and verse four through five says this. But when the fullness of time have come, God sent forth his son. Born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who are under the law. What is the law? My failed attempts to make it right. He redeemed everybody who was under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. He redeemed us. As those of you who might not know the word redeemed, redeemed comes from a word that means to buy you back means that you will belong to someone else but he redeemed you and he brought you back and first corinthians the 15th chapter and verse 21 through 22 says for since death came through a man the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man for as in adam all died but so in christ all will be made alive what that means is what one man did wrong another man came and did right I'm going to say that to you for those of you who have ever experienced any type of heartache or situations in your life. Just because one person did it wrong in your life doesn't mean God won't send somebody else to make it right. You have to be careful of getting to the point that you part at hurt when God has healing assigned for you. 
Never get to the point where you say all men, all women, all situations, all churches, all that is bad. You have to get to the point where you say, you know what, that church did it or that man did it or that woman did it. That doesn't mean that that's the end of my story. That doesn't mean, come on, Beyonce, I can get another you in a minute. That doesn't mean that that's the end of my story. Don't you ever get to the point where you put all of your eggs in one person. Never get to that point because Adam messed up. Adam slipped up. Everybody tried to fix it, but God said, I got a perfect setup. I got somebody that's going to come and make it right. Acts the 10th chapter and verse 38. Can I preach the Bible? Acts the 10th chapter and verse 38 says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost. I don't know, we don't say that too much in the whole church anymore. With the Holy Ghost and with power. I know some of y'all, excuse me, some of y'all are trying to break some habits and break some situations without the Holy Ghost. And you can't break situations and you can't break habits without the Holy Ghost and without power. I know we say Holy Spirit because we want to be correct, but I want to tell you, you need the Holy Ghost. You need real fire. You need real power. Look at somebody say, I need something real. I need something real. I was talking to somebody the other day. I'm a preacher in a minute. I was talking to someone the other day and they said, what is going on with the church and why are people not wanting to go to church anymore? Well, look around. People are here. Why is it that people want to go to church anymore? And I said, I believe people don't want to go to church anymore because they're tired of performance and no power. performance we have led lights we look good we have skinny jeans and we sing hip songs but ain't no power being broken ain't no yokes being destroyed people are still dying people are getting shot people are going through uh, divorces and going through situations but i want to know is there anybody who wants power back in the church again i'm talking about you came here thinking about eggs but you left here thinking about the cross you came here thinking about what you had on but you leave here thinking about what god put on in your life somebody say i need power I'm talking power that makes me forget about my habits power that makes me forgive people I didn't think I could forgive power that makes me be able to feel rich when I ain't got a dime power that makes me run around the room and ain't nobody chasing me whatever it is I need power Jesus excuse me I try to speak in English but I got power God anointed Jesus of Nazareth I want you to do me a favor right now. Everybody on the count of three, I want you to call out your name. Do me a favor, call out your name and then say where you're from because this word says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Don't just think that the power is just for Jesus. Don't just think that Jesus is the only one that could be anointed. You can be anointed too. So when I count to three, I want you to say your name and say so-and-so of Chicago, so-and-so of Kansas, so-and-so of wherever, so-and-so of the gutter, so-and-so of the hood, whatever you want to say. But Put your name in there. Are y'all ready? One, two, three. Though nobody else knew what you were saying, devils knew what you were saying. Though nobody else heard what you were saying, that demon knew what you were saying. He said, I ain't going to mess with them no more because they got power. I thought I was going to knock them out. I thought I was going to destroy them. But you just put your name in there and said, I got power over this. Somebody holler at your boy and say, I got power over this. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost with power. He didn't say he anointed him because he had degrees. He didn't say he anointed him because he had ministry or masters of divinity. He didn't say he anointed him because he had a doctorate of divinity or any of that type of stuff. He said he anointed him no matter where he was from and he anointed him with power. I want to tell you brother, I want to tell you sister, I don't know what your background is. I don't know what your pedigree is. I don't know what your genealogy is. I don't know what you came from. I don't know what you're in. But let me tell you, the anointing can supersede 
precedes your family line. God is not asking what your family is. He's not asking how much money you have. He wants to know, do you want the power? And if you want the power, the power is available to everybody. Somebody open up your mouth and say, I want that power. Holy Ghost and with power. And he went about doing good. I can't do good without power. The only way he was able to do good is because he had power. He went about doing good because he had power and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. This is a part right here. For God was with him. If you don't have no other word in your season right now, I want you to lay your hands on your heart and say, God is with me. God, God is with me. I don't care what bills you got. I don't care what seems strange in your life. God is with you. How do I know this? The Bible says he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. He will never. Men will, people will, but God will never leave you. I want somebody to open your mouth and say, he's with me. He, he is with me. Jesus was sent by God to save all of mankind. Get raised up and get out of here. Jesus was sent by the Father to save all mankind. And Jesus was the only one who was eternally good. Everybody else had good intentions, but couldn't pay the bill. Jesus was the only one whose blood wasn't tainted. Jesus was the only one who could offer a sacrifice and it could feel the bill. Jesus was the only one. I know some of you think that sage is it. Jesus is the only one. I know some of you think that crystals is it. Jesus is the only one. I know some of you have heard all different things and you're confused and some of you are saying, well, that confuses me because Jesus is the only one and Jesus is not the author of confusions. He, he is the only one. I, I, I know the Bible even says that Paul I know and him I know, but who are you? There, there's only one name. There, there's only one name. Someone say there's only one name. Jesus was the only one and so much so that as I look at this text, all of that was introduction. Look at this text, and I find they had watched Jesus be mocked. They had watched Jesus being raised up as a boy. Now he's walking around doing good things and healing people. And now all of a sudden he's bought before Pontius Pilate, and they make fun of him, and they put a crown of thorns on his head, it's, and they whip him, and they watch him, and, and there, there comes while he's walking down the street carrying a cross. They ask an African to come and help him. You don't see that drawing. But the origin of the man who came to help him was the African. He came and he helped Jesus bear the cross. Brought Jesus to the place where they nailed him. And they, 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 they whipped him and they beat him and they, they lifted him up. And everybody that Jesus had healed and everybody who Jesus had raised from the dead and everybody who Jesus had helped was now watching him on display die. Now I want to say this. We wear crosses on our chains now. But at that time, crosses were not something that you just wore. A cross was a public place for people who had not been good and had done wrong. When you saw someone on the cross, it meant there you will find what happens to people who are not good. 
there you will find what happens to people who are not morally good, who do not do good things, people who do not follow the law. You will find the cross for every person who's not good. Here is Jesus who had never done anything wrong, who had never wronged anybody, now on display on the cross as a public example of what happens even when you're good, there's still a cross for you. Even when you're good and even when you do, there's still something you got to go through. While Jesus is hanging on the cross, he, he starts to release a series of what they call last words. And Jesus starts to say things like, I thirst. Interesting, uh, Deacon Sterling, how someone who is the living water can also thirst. Something how someone who has water in him, who offered water to a woman at the well, can now be on the cross thirst, thirsty. It teaches us that it wasn't just that he was thirsty for water. He was thirsty for connection. Thirsty for connection with God. That all of us get to a point where we need connection with God. I don't, when I was growing up, uh, we used to have what they call Kool-Aid. See, none of y'all know, I only, this about 10 of y'all know what Kool-Aid is. I'm so sorry. Maybe if I said Bacardi rum, y'all would know what I was saying. When I was growing up, we had Kool-Aid. And um, sorry, I messed some of y'all up. Um, we had Kool-Aid. And um, when you had a real hot day, um, you would come in and want some Kool-Aid. But there were also times when Kool-Aid just didn't seem to work where it was too much sugar, and you just wanted water. Have you ever been in a season where what used to work don't work no more? You're saying, I thirst for something. I don't know what it is, but I, I thirst, and I just believe that there are some of you in the room today who didn't come because it was Easter. You came because you tried a whole lot of other stuff and been looking for a whole lot of things and sipping on a lot of stuff and smoking a lot of things, and you came today and say, it ain't working. I'm, I'm thirsty for something. I want to know, is anybody offering real water? Jesus was on the cross, and while he was there, it says that, all of a sudden, he also cried out because he felt separated from his father. And he, he said, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is to say, my God, why have you left me? I don't know if you've ever been in a season where you've been in church, but felt like church was not in you. I don't know if you've ever been in a season where you prayed and you feel like your prayer didn't leave that room. I don't know if you've been in a season where you've shouted because they told you to shout, but you ain't felt nothing. I don't know if you ever tried to do good and good just didn't feel like good was working. Here it is. Jesus says, you've forsaken me like you. You told me you'd never leave me, but you did. Where are you? The reason that he felt that way is because even though it was God's son, he said, I can't, I can't, I can't be in that. You took on the sins of everybody else. I love sinners, but I can't get in what you got on right now. He said, I'm with you, but not with you in the same way. I can't look on you. I'm with you. I just can't be. So he felt forsaken. 
And then the Bible says that after he said that, and after he did that, the Bible says that he breathed his last. He says, Father, into your hands, I commend my spirit. And the Bible says, and he gave up the ghost. <laughs> this is the part that messed me up. Because I said, after he said it was finished, Mel, he never said, I'm finished. He said, it's finished. There's a difference in saying, I'm finished. And some of y'all are at that season right now where you're saying, I'm finished, I'm done, I'm through, I'm finished, I'm over it, and all that type of stuff. When you're finished, that means that's the end of you. Jesus didn't say I'm finished. He said it's finished. That's not the end of me. That's the end of my assignment. My, come on, musicians. I'm ready. He says I, I have finished my assignment, but I'm not finished. I, I'm not done yet. He says I have completed what I was sent here to do, but I ain't done yet. Look at somebody say, I ain't done yet. I, I, I'm not done yet. He says, he says I, I, I have breathed my last to say what I came here to do is finished, but I'm not done. I'm not finished. And, and it brings me to this text because we find out, Brother uh, Deacon Sterling, is that the, the centurions, and it says, and those with him, put that scripture up, the centurions and those with him, it says that they looked and they said, Truly, one version says, surely, <laughs> that is the son of God. Now, that messed me up, Mama Carol, because he came to his own, but his own received him not. It confused me, Pastor Guillaume, because a centurion is someone who was over the military office who was designed to exec execute Jesus. The centurion and the officer's only assignment was to make sure Jesus died. Their only assignment was to make sure he was positioned in between two thieves. His only assignment was to make sure that he was dead and good and dead. That was the only assignment. But how is it that an unbeliever, their assignment was to kill a savior? And here at the foot of the cross, once Jesus said it is finished, the first words out of the centurion's mouth was, surely that was the son of God. Oh, I, I think you missed it. Jesus never said anything to the centurions. Jesus never said anything to the officers. Jesus never said anything to the soldiers. But the soldiers, after they had watched what Jesus went through, the first thing that was out of the soldier's mouth was, surely that was the Son of God. I think you still missed it. Some of y'all think that you've got to convince people that God is real. Some of you think you got to give a track to somebody for them to know God's real. Some of you think you got to send a YouTube track to somebody for them to know God is real. But the centurions watch Jesus die. The centurions watch Jesus breathe his last. The centurions watch Jesus go through public humiliation. And the first words out of their mouth was, surely... 
that's the son of God and the Lord told me to preach this message today because there are some people in this season and there are some people in this room who are at a moment that you're trying to figure out what's going on in your life but I want to tell somebody today that there's going to come a moment that you're going to lift your voice and lift your hands and you're going to say surely that is the son of God come here brother Brandon what the Bible says I don't mean to preach like this but the Bible says that the reason that they lifted up their voice is because God had the perfect setup look at three people right now high five them say it's a setup it's a setup it's a setup it's a it's a setup 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 what is the setup y'all missed it brother Kenroy thank you Kenroy for asking me asking me the question what was the setup well I'm gonna tell you what the setup is according to the Bible somebody say preach black man well according to the Bible John the 12th chapter and verse 32 says this and I if I be lifted up from the earth I'll draw all men to me y'all missed it he didn't say I'll draw church people to me he didn't say I'll draw Baptist people to me he didn't say I'll draw Methodist people to me he didn't say I'll draw good people to me he said if you lift me up I'll draw all men unto me so here it is the centurion was at the bottom of the cross but Jesus was at the top of the cross so the centurion was in the perfect posture to be able to look up and see Jesus well if you're down right now if you're in a bad season right now you're in the perfect posture to look up and see God if you're going through something right now you're in the perfect posture to look up and see God look at somebody and say look up look up look up well let me get out of here well I looked and the thing that I messed up when I looked at the title put my title up there Ari when I looked at the title of my message I said something is sticking out to me I said wait a minute I said wait a minute you can't keep a good man down it's a message God gave to me but he said Mario Jamiel Rafford look again at the title of the message because the centurion said surely this is the son of God they kept calling him the son of man that's what they called him in the streets but the centurion said surely it's the son of God well the message just changed you might not be able to keep a good man down but you sure can't keep a God man down you can't keep a God man down because they nailed him and he breathed his breath I feel like preaching the gospel and they took him down and they put him in a viral tomb yes they did look at somebody said he was borrowed 
Why was it bald? <laughs> because <laughs> he wasn't going to stay there long. <laughs> ah, I'm not going to stay here long. <laughs> he wasn't going to stay there long. <laughs> Look at somebody say he wasn't going to stay there long. They took a good man down. I feel like reason. <laughs> they put a good man down. <laughs> put him in a borrow tomb while he was in the borrow tomb some of y'all miss this part historians say Pastor Stacia and I went over to Jerusalem over in 2020 right before COVID happened and they told me while I was in Jerusalem that when they went into the tomb Jesus had a linen that was folded in the tomb and I said what does it mean when there's a linen folded because when people eat if they put it over the food that means they're come they're not finished with the food that means they got some more to do but Jesus didn't just lay it out they said when they went into the tomb It was folded. And I said, what does folded mean? It says when a linen is folded, that means they done. That means it's finished. And they ain't coming back. And is there anybody in the room that knows that Jesus has already finished the work? Jesus has already finished the work. And I got good news for you. I feel like preaching. I might not preach like this next week, but I got one more thing to tell you my daddy told me this when I was growing up in the missionary Baptist church he said they killed him and he stayed there one day he stayed there two days but my daddy used to say but early early on the third morning he got up why did he get up because you can keep a good man down but you can't keep a god man down because i got a resurrection power resurrection power resurrection power resurrection power look at somebody and tell them i'm gonna come back tell them i'm gonna come back because i got power somebody say you can't keep me down you can't keep me down how about somebody tell me you can't keep me down don't sleep on me all I need is three days all I need is three days all I need is three days give me three minutes give me three months give me three years but I'll rise I'll rise I'll rise I'll rise again. Come on, my Angelo. Out of the ashes, still I rise. Tell somebody I'm going to rise again. You can't. You can't. You can't keep me down. You can't. Y'all ain't told the right person. Tell them you can't keep me down. 
And what I love about that, and I love about that, is that a centurion came to the cross as a pagan, but left as a believer. I don't care. I don't care how you come to the cross. Just come. Come smelling like it. Come looking like whatever you've been through. Come bound up. Come depressed. Come suicidal. Come lonely. Come depressed. Come sad. Come weary. But just get to the cross. Centurion thought he had one assignment and one assignment only to kill Jesus. Didn't know that while he was killing Jesus, Jesus was saving him. You can't kill the gospel. It's been working for over 2,000 years. And it still works. All week long, I've been saying, Lord, give me an illustration. Give me. He said, I always work. Thank you for your prayers and generous support that grant us the opportunity to do ministry. Now, this connection doesn't have to end here. Visit our website, engage with our social platforms, comment, review, screenshot, and share your growth with others. And until next time, keep growing.